Hello again everyone, welcome back to another instalment of the Holy Spirit series and this week we begin to look at the work of the Holy Spirit. It might take us a session or two but today we're going to look specifically at the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. But let me remind you where we were last time. We looked at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and St. Augustine said the old is in the new revealed and the new is in the old concealed. And the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, of course, finds complete fulfillment in the New Testament. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus, isn't that right? 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. And now we find in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit is the critical prime mover in the work of redemption. And we see this, of course, in the life of Jesus, our Saviour. Um, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 1, 35, the angel answered and said to Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. At the beginning of Christ's ministry, he was filled by the Holy Spirit. Luke three twenty two. the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And the voice from heaven said, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. And of course, the Lord ministered in the power of the Spirit. Luke 4:14, 4, uh, having been tempted in the wilderness, it says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and the news of him went out through all the surrounding region. But even when we come to the, the, the sacred moment of the mystery of the cross, it says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, that the blood of Christ through the eternal covenant was offered through the Holy Spirit, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God. And so Christ's great eternal sacrifice was, was offered to God through the instrumentality of the Holy Spirit. So we might say that the Holy Spirit established salvation for us, but now he is also the one who applies salvation to us. He implements salvation in us so no one is saved no one can be made right with God without the Holy Spirit no one can be sanctified or made holy without the Holy Spirit so we better not ignore the Holy Spirit he is the one member of the Godhead as we've already said who we have most direct dealings with in this particular era now, in our first study in this series, we looked at the person of the Holy Spirit and we looked at several roles he had. We're not going to uh, repeat all of that, but we saw that one of his chief roles was to glorify Jesus from Pentecost to uh, Christ's return, which we believe is very soon. And I want us to consider today how that relates to us personally, how the work of the Spirit is immediately personal to, to you and I as believers. In, in John 16, of course, um, we know these verses well. We've referred to them already. Verse 13, Jesus said, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit's role would be to reveal Christ to us and to form Christ in us. Now, how does that work? The first way it works is through conviction. 
in the same chapter, John 16, verse 8, Jesus says, when he has come, the Spirit, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Other versions say he will convince the world of these three things. What are these three things? Sin, righteousness, and judgment. And he elaborates in verse 9 following, of sin because they do not believe in me. Do you know sin is more than just breaking the Ten Commandments? Those are sins, of course, to break those. But Sin, the, the sin that cannot be forgiven, that we need to be convinced of, is rejecting Jesus as Saviour and Lord. And the Holy Spirit comes to convince us of the necessity of, of trusting Christ uh, as our Redeemer. And then we see um, of righteousness, verse 10, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. No, the Holy Spirit convinces us that the way to be right with God is because Jesus went to the cross and died for sins. He was buried and rose again the third day in eternal life. And he's now ascended to heaven to offer that sacrifice to God, which is completely acceptable to him in, in heaven. And because of that, we can have righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. And so he convinces us that we can be made right with God because of what he did through his death, resurrection and ascension to heaven. And then thirdly, he convinces us um, of judgment, verse 11, because the ruler of this world is judged. It's not that Jesus came into the world to judge us. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But the Holy Spirit wants to convince us that if we go the way of the devil, it is the way of judgment. Don't follow a loser. He is heading for the lake of fire. And if we follow him in his ways and disobey God and his we will go to that place as well. And the Holy Spirit has been sent to convince us of this. And let me say I believe in apologetics in the sense of reasoning truth. We're to give a reason for the hope that is within us. And in Acts 24, of course, in verse 25, Paul, when he was talking to Felix, it says Paul reasoned about righteousness, self-control and judgment to come and Felix trembled. And I believe that in that reasoning, the Holy Spirit was instrumental. And yet I want to say this. Apologetics is good in its place, but no one was ever argued into the kingdom of God. And we need to be very careful that when we engage with the lost, we are utterly reliant upon the Holy Spirit and his ministry. I remember a number of years ago preaching in a gospel campaign and there was a young man brought by an older guy um, and it was obvious as I was preaching that night that he was receiving the message. He just seemed to be drinking it in. You can't always tell what's going on with people but I could see from his face that he was receiving what I was saying in the good news. And afterwards, uh, um, I waited for him at the door and there he was and uh, we spoke in the back room and I realized that he trusted Jesus uh, during the message I believed and he prayed a prayer at the end but I think the Lord had met him in a, in a really remarkable way. It seemed obvious. And when I brought him out of the room, um, the older gentleman who brought him asked me the question, well, did he, did he ask you those difficult questions that he had? And I said, well, what questions are you talking about? He said, well, he had questions about evolution. He had questions about the existence of God. And he went on through a number of things. And I said, no, he didn't ask any of those questions. And then I realized the reason why he didn't need answers to those questions that were so burning in his life was because he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. He encountered God. And that's what people need above 
answers. That's what people need above apologetics. Cajoled conversion is not real. And whilst we can give people truth and shine the light of truth onto their minds, that is not the same as Holy Spirit conviction. It's actually not our job uh, to bring people to that point of faith. It's the Holy Spirit's job. We do all we can. Neither is it our job to uh, make people feel ashamed about their sin. Um, the Holy Spirit's job is conviction. If you note the life of Jesus in his ministry, he never ever made sinners feel ashamed about their sin. Now we do need to preach about sin. Don't misunderstand me. And there's not enough of that being done today. We're afraid of doing that. But Jesus, though he said a lot about sin, there's no doubt about that, he didn't talk about it in a condemning way. Let me distinguish it like this. The Holy Spirit will bring guilt, but not shame. Guilt says, I made a mistake, but shame says, I am a mistake. Shame actually attacks our intrinsic worth as human beings. So, guilt says, I did something wrong. Shame says, I am something wrong. So, we could say that guilt is kind of constructive, whereas shame is destructive. The Holy Spirit in the gospel, the good news, tells us of our sinfulness. There's no doubt about that. But also tells us of our intrinsic value and worth in the eyes of God. How could it be any other way? He tells us of a Savior who loved us enough to go the whole way to the cross and bear our, our guilt, our shame, our condemnation, our judgment, our hell. And he actually pays the price of our redemption by his own shed blood. God's Son gave himself a sacrifice for us. Never ever say that you're worth nothing or listen to the lies that you're valueless. Only the Holy Spirit can convince of our sin and can convince us that God loves us. If you want to read more about that, read Romans 5, read Romans 8. But Billy Graham put it well when he said, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict it's God's job to judge and it's my job to love. The Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge and it's my job to love. I hope you know, especially if you're a Christian, the difference between the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the condemnation of the devil. You know, the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes and we might feel bad, guilty about what we've done against God's laws. But the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you've confessed your sin and truly repented of it, you shouldn't be feeling bad about it anymore. But if you continue to feel bad about it and condemned and accused, you know where that's coming from. That's the condemnation of Satan the accuser. So confess your sin. Repent of your sin. Believe the gospel. Be cleansed. Be forgiven. And let all those bad feelings of, of, of guilt and shame go through the blood of Christ. So the conviction of the Holy Spirit is a vital work of the Holy Spirit that we need to see happening with, within our ministry. We can create it, but we, we can create the environment of preaching the good news, a gospel of grace and love and mercy. But then another work is the work of regeneration. And again, only the Holy Spirit does this. John 1 12 and 13, Jesus said, As many as received him, 
To them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Of course, that's John, not Jesus, as I said. And uh, here we see it, that it's not through nationality, it's not through lineage that that we enter the kingdom of God. If someone well put it, God has no grandchildren. You're either a child of God, you can't be a grandchild of God. And we know from John chapter 3 that we have to be born again. That's another way of talking about regeneration. Um, let, let's read what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3. Uh, verse 3 to 7, Jesus answered and said, And most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. This is regeneration of the Holy Spirit. It was Dr. E. Stanley Jones who said, the birth of the Spirit is that change, gradual or sudden, by which we who are the children of the first birth, through a physical birth, into a physical world, become children of the second birth, through a spiritual birth into a spiritual world. First Peter 1 verse 23 describes regeneration, being born again as having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Where God speaks to your heart, not just you read the Bible or hear the Bible, but that word becomes living within you and the Holy Spirit applies it to your life and you know a regenerative change, a life-giving change where you're born above. You're born in heaven. You become a child of God. Titus uh, 3 verse 5 talks about how we, we, we don't come to know God through the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So through receiving the spoken word of God in power, the Holy Spirit washes us clean. He, he, he brings us to life in God. So this is more than a simple decision. This is an encounter. This is a miracle. This is a supernatural act of God, the work of the Holy Spirit where we become convinced of our sinfulness. We become convinced that the only way we can be right with God is through the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus who died and paid the penalty for sins, rose again, ascended to heaven so the Holy Spirit could be poured out. We become convinced of judgment that we will be judged with Satan if we follow his ways rather than repenting and following God. And then we, we, we are regenerated. Our mind and heart comes alive to the reality that we have actually come to receive the life of God in ourselves by grace through faith. And the test of that is not, as, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, not that we say that we've been born again. There are many people all around the world who say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm a, a born-again believer. But the test is not that we say it, but that we have entered into the kingdom and that we're beginning to see the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. Except a man's born again, he cannot see 
he cannot enter the kingdom. So I want to ask you today, I don't care what your background is, whether you've been brought up in church, I don't care whether you're Catholic, Protestant, what denomination you go to, it doesn't matter at all. What matters is, are you born again of the Spirit of God? Are you born from above? Are you a child of God through faith in Him? Have you experienced what it is to have the confidence and assurance to say, I am a child of God and God Almighty is my Father. My sins are forgiven. I'm made righteous in God's eyes, not because of any works that I've completed, but because of the finished work that Jesus fulfilled at the cross when he died for me. And have you taken that step of faith where you've believed in him alone and you've turned away from your sinful acts and behaviours and turned to him for mercy, forgiveness and power to live a life that is pleasing to him. Now if you haven't taken that step, why not pray this prayer with me right now? Or if you thought you had or you've grown up in the church and just accepted that um, you're okay because you do good things and you say right things. Now listen, new birth isn't always just in a moment. It can come over a period and, and we know that from other people's experiences and from the Bible. But what we're saying is here, if you're not sure, why not make sure? And why not by faith pray this prayer with me that I believe God answers because he said, whoever calls on me, I will hear. Whoever believes in me shall be saved. Why not pray this prayer with me now? Oh God, I come to you. In the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you for convincing me, convicting me of my sinfulness. I've broken your law. And perhaps I haven't related to Jesus Christ properly and haven't turned to him as Saviour and Lord of my life. And so I repent of all my sin. And I thank you that I can be made right through what Jesus did for me at the cross and who Jesus is. And by faith, I renounce Satan in all his ways. I don't want to follow him. And I turn to Christ alone for, for my salvation. And I ask you now to make me your child, Father. I ask you to cause me to be born again to you. Give me that eternal life that Jesus died for. And it is your life. And I ask you to fill me now with your Holy Spirit as I confess Jesus Christ as Lord. If you've prayed that prayer and really meant it by faith, why not tell us and why not message us and let us know? And why not, Christian, spread this uh, message? People need to know what conviction of sin is and regeneration of the Spirit is today. So why not spread this through social media and however you can and see people saved for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, thank you for listening. And uh, join me next time to hear more about the work of the Holy Spirit. God bless you.